Hi, I'm Melissa. And I'm Amiel. We love video games and movies, and we love talking about them. So we are hosting a new podcast where every week we choose one video game and one movie to talk about. We will go through each click and flick from beginning to end and talk about what we like and don't like. And then we will give you a rating based completely on our own opinions and nothing else. Ciao. <laughs> the Click and Flick Podcast. Click and Flick. Welcome back. Ready to get your clicking and flicking. <laughs> get your clicks and flicks here. Yeah, folks. The best, <laughs> the best clicks and flicks are on right here. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So did you do you want to start with the flick this time? Um, okay, we can do that and then we'll go on to the click. Yeah, because I, I have a lot to say about this flick. Oh my gosh. So do I. Can I tell you that I saw this movie in theaters. It was the last movie I saw before the quarantine. Really? So it was literally February. Like, I think I saw it like the, the end of February, like very, very end of February. And then it was like two weeks and then quarantine in March, right? It was like the middle of wow. March. Wow. So that's when it came out. It came out March 2020. No, no. It came out. I saw it really late. It came out in oh, 2019. Okay. okay. But I saw it late because I had seen it after it already was people were talking about it and stuff. So I saw it in theaters in, in February. Okay. And then we went on lockdown in March. Sorry. I totally had like a brain pause like in the middle. <laughs> You're allowed to. That's that, fine. I know that you're muting so that I don't hear um, like background noise and stuff. But when you cut out, it like cuts out all the noise and I'm all... <gasps> I like you're like what I happened? Have like a small panic attack. Oh no! Okay, and I'll, I'm like, oh, I'll refrain. Did it, cut, did it cut out like totally? No, I mean <laughs> if there's something going on that you need to mute, no worries. Okay. But, um, okay. So this movie was this movie Uncut Gems. I first started hearing about it because everyone was saying how great Adam Sandler is in this movie, how great of an actor he is. Everyone's like, oh, he does such a great job. And everyone was like, oh, the Academy really snubbed Adam Sandler because he deserved to be nominated for this role and yada, yada, yada. Interesting, to this, say the least. <laughs> this film invoked... Now, so so my first time watching it, I walked away, I guess, not really knowing what to think about it. Mm -hmm. And so that's like, what, a year and a couple months ago. And so now I watch it again. And hmm, now I, I think I'm thinking a lot about it. <laughs> really? Okay. So because uh, my brain, pretty much the same. I don't want to downplay my intelligence but I was sitting there I mean I could comprehend everything that was going on mm -hmm. however it was so chaotic I couldn't process yes. before the next scene started so it was just like literally a swirling it was tornado like sensory overload for exactly a lot of the movie mm -hmm. I it's just chaos is such a perfect word for it because this movie is just 
it feels so chaotic. And (laughs) (laughs) this is just what I, this is my, okay, so let's like go through what the movie is. Let's go through the plot. So it opens up in these mines in Ethiopia. Is that right? Oh, crap. I should have double-checked everything. <laughs> I don't remember. I think there were subtitles to say so. Yes. Okay. So the whole premise is opening up with these Ethiopian miners. And the, the whole thing is because Adam Sandler is Jewish and his character is Jewish. And he has – these are these Jewish miners in Ethiopia that he's in contact with that he gets this ex- – like expensive rare gem from but the thing is that the movie opens up with these miners and it's literally showing this guy's leg like this guy got injured in the mines just working. mutilated and this guy's leg is just it's just like the first shot it's yeah. like desert scene yada yada and then it's like zoom in on this like bloody yeah leg and and everybody was really pissed they were pissed at the people that were wearing the hard hats because they were carrying, I'm assuming, what was their friend or their family or whatever, you know, somebody they knew well. They were carrying this person like they're in excruciating pain. They're all livid and like yelling and pointing to the guys with the hard hats uh-huh. just in like utter like, you better help him or I'm going to find you. You know what I mean? That's That's the vibe I got. I don't know what they were yelling about. But it's just, like you said, chaos. And then it starts going through the gem. Then the camera does this, like, zoom in into the gem, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, yes. goes from the gem <laughs> <laughs> to, like, Adam Sandler's asshole. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's on the operating table as he's I'm, getting an endoscopy. I don't want, like, <laughs> To see that, I don't want to see that ever. I thought it was an ear canal at first. And he's just like, yes, this is your colon. This is where shit lives. <laughs> and uh, Adam, I'm glad it's healthy, but <laughs> I never, ever wanted to see it ever. I know. I know. Oh I hear God. that. But I believe that maybe it's a... Um, <clears throat> Uh, a foreshadowing or a, a a metaphor to what his character is, which is just a fucking asshole the whole movie. Oh, okay. Yes, absolutely. So perhaps uh, that's what they were going for, or perhaps I'm giving them more credit. More credit, yeah. More more than they deserve. But, you but, know, <laughs> but didn't, who knows? Didn't they take an, uh, a biopsy of something in there? They were worried about something in there? He, I okay. So I guess later on they have a conversation where they, the doctor calls him back and says, "Oh, you don't have cancer." Oh, I see. And okay. then he goes, "Okay, I just wanted to make sure because my dad had it or something." Oh, got um, it. Which is like something the doctor would have already known, and so he didn't really need to say that in that conversation. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure him and the doctor had that conversation before, but they needed to let the audience know. So apparently, yeah. So that's why he, that's why the movie opens up with his, his endoscopy, the inside of his butthole. 
Which some people, I guess, would really like that. Some people, that's what they want. That's their thing. That's their niche, you know? Yeah. And then it just shows him at his work. He works at a diamond store. Um, Diamond store, like gems and jewelry yeah like like uh but it seems like it seems like he's like kind of high-end like he deals in the rare stuff um he's not just like in a strip mall right there's like because there's a locking door there's like there's a locking multiple lobby. like security measures to get into the building it looks like he's pretty high-end but pretty soon we find out that he is super duper in debt from a gambling addiction. Yes. So winning winning check number one for this character. <laughs> like, yeah. And then he just so happens to be in an affair. Well, oh, not an affair. So here's like, what I get what I gather is that this girl, this young girl, which don't even get me started. I am so one hundred percent sick and fucking tired. Me too. Of seeing Adam Sandler and all his friends casting themselves opposite yep. of these twenty-year-old girls in every yep. freaking movie any of those guys have been in since yeah. SNL. Look at their partners. Besides, besides grown-ups, where they're like married to people who are only probably. 10 years younger than them. If that, yeah. If that. Every other movie, any romantic love, like they're dating these girls that are literally, that literally grew up watching Waterboy. And like... <laughs> <laughs> True. So this is what I gather is that he's he probably cheated on his wife and then she kicked him out. He got an apartment and then this girl moved in with the apartment with him, but they're not telling the kids because she doesn't want the kids to maybe he doesn't want the kids to think differently of their father or something because the kids don't know about this girl. Right. But apparently mom, I I think mom does. Yeah. She's, she's like accepted it now. Right. Like she's so over him, which is like <sighs> good. Like uh, she's my favorite character. And I, I love Idina Menzel. Me too. I always like from everything yeah her she always plays like a strong woman who is just like not there to take people's shit (laughs) yep yep but you know what she did though that's that's so uh the scene where he comes home and she's like go upstairs go to bed with your son see i don't know why this rang such a bell with me but when she was like go up there and say goodnight to your son and he was still awake and Adam Sandler was laying on the floor next to his bed watching the basketball game because he has because of his gambling addiction. Uh-huh. And his son was just like, bro, like, I know what you're doing. He's sitting up in bed, like, watching him. I was so heartbroken. And then she, like, she yelled at him to go upstairs. But then when he came back down, as she was watching TV... He asked her to put on the game again in the living room, and she was just like, fine. I don't know why it irritated me so much, because I wanted to light his ass on fire. I was okay, so, so really mad. quick, before, yeah. before we get to that part, I want to talk about this relationship, because after we find out about him, like we found out his where he works and his gambling addiction all that, so he goes home to his apartment and sees his... 20-year-old girlfriend 
in bed, like on her phone, like doing scrolling through probably like whatever. I don't whatever this year is set probably Vine because this is before the weekend is big. Right. This is I think set a couple years. Let me check check the year. I think it was 2012. I think that's when I saw in the subtitle. Mm. Okay, so or two before Vine, but um. Oh, okay. She's scrolling through something like Instagram or Facebook, probably. They're looking at memes with her friend. And he comes in and immediately starts yelling at her like, Oh, yeah. Get the fuck up. You're taking advantage of me. Blah, blah, blah. Get the fuck up. I'm like. You were partying in my apartment. I'm like, you are the one who decided to date a child. (laughs) So what are you expecting, sir? Yeah. What do you expect from this Young woman. (laughs) (laughs) Not only that, but she treats him like a child. So she goes, okay, come here. Come here and play with me. She's the mom and she's like, and it's just this awful, horrible, like it's just a nasty, negative relationship for both of them. I can't tell whether it's genius or. it's disgusting beyond belief because I was genuinely uncomfortable. I was just like, I don't like this. And I know, I feel like that was their point, you know, but I think so. Yeah. Because honestly, if anybody looks at that and is like goals, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, red flag, ladies, stay the fuck away. Yeah, absolutely. So he's like, So this whole relationship with her just is so ridiculous to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. And he comes in. He's like, why aren't you at work yet? And I'm like, what is is this relationship to? Because he's her boss. Mm -hmm. It's like power dynamic, a a billion. Yeah, in all facets. Because he's also like really rich you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. so what really pisses me off about their relationship is the scene that he is having her like send him pictures of her and telling her that he's in the cab on his way home yeah when really he is in the closet watching her Mm -hmm. and this scene like offended me so much when I was mm-hmm. in the movie theaters that this is the only scene that I could really think about walking out of that movie. Uh-huh. So it's stuck <clears throat> with you. I was like, in what world is a woman's biggest fear romantic? Who would right. write that in a scene? Like who would put that in a script? And then like her only reaction is like, you i'm like i know fucking no i know i'm sorry but every girl i know that lives alone is terrified of somebody else being in her apartment when she i gets would home. yeah yeah that would be uh, it was such an unnatural reaction and if it was someone who if it was someone who I loved and cared about and they, in their dumb brain, first of all, if I would ever love and care about someone that fucking dumb, red flag, <laughs> to think that that would be a good idea. But if by chance I did, because, you know, I've dated some real shitheads anyway, 
they were like, oh, great idea. Let me do this and like reenact this like biggest fear of like rape and murder that every woman has to live in constantly every day. Right. And make it a reality for two seconds. Like it was such an ingenuine reaction. My reaction to that in the moment would be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And why would you think that's a good prank? Never do that. Don't you realize that I was already afraid of that happening from the time I left my work, getting to my car and then getting to my car from this, to the apartment and then getting into the apartment and then checking all the rooms to make sure nobody else was in here. Right. Right. But of course I am. I don't think that that scene was written by anyone who's lived through that kind of experience. Probably not. Um, (laughs) Which is unfortunate because it just. So they, in their brains think how romantic. And then she goes, Oh, ha. Yeah, you startled me. Ha ha ha. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's have sex. Yep. And I'm like, you're and on top of that, on top of recreating my biggest fear, now is the question of, okay, you're lying to me and yeah. getting pictures of me naked with me consenting to misinformation, which is coercion, which is mm-hmm. not consent. So now you're first of all like uh, there's so much that about that scene that makes me so mad. And the thing is that everything he does in this movie is despicable. Everything. This, like, gambling yeah. addiction, every choice he's made is not a good choice. Yeah. And this scene is another example of just another thing that he's doing that's wrong. But for some reason... This scene seems to feel like this character's is supposed to be a redeeming thing of this character, like how romantic he is with his partner. Like, uh-huh. I'm like, no, no, no. This is just another example of his, the inside of his colon. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, that's who he is yeah. as a person. Right. He's just a shithead. And any, anybody who thinks that that's a good idea. Just please reconsider, reevaluate, <laughs> reevaluate. No, it's not a good idea. Um, there and there was a lot of the, like you just piggybacking on what you said, trailing off of the constant theme of just terrible situations turning yes. into worse situations, and then yes. turning into very unrealistic endings and it was just i had had enough it was like when, purposely suspenseful in ways that were like it was just purposely chaotic which i feel like that's the word that's gonna just yeah. keep coming back is because yeah. that's anytime something happened it was like the next choice was like okay how do we make this scene more chaotic right Ugh, right and oh my god like eventually doesn't doesn't a person learn? And I guess maybe not, right? Like, is he a guy? Like, does that? I'm not fucking know. Like, it's sad to me that there are guys in the world that really are like this character that Adam Sandler is, and they die not getting better and not becoming better people. I, <sighs> I don't even, well, I can't even attest because I didn't 
followed there. I did not watch the whole thing. I couldn't. Okay. Okay. So let's go back. So, so the next part of the movie is he's in his shop and he has like a business partner who brings in Kevin Garnett, Garnett. Kevin Garnett. <laughs> from what team does he play on? Uh, the Celtics. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Oh, cause they're all in Boston. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't even realize Boston. Got it. Okay. So Kevin Garnett, and this is like the main plot, like inciting incident, basically. So he ends up falling in love with the gem that came from Ethiopia that he paid. That's this really expensive gem, blah, blah, blah. And Adam Sandler. But here's the thing that Adam Sandler is so fucking dumb in this movie i keep calling him i know his name's not it's character i know not adam sandler but whatever (laughs) i feel bad saying adam sandler's dumb but i know it's not him he's probably not right like him as a person but adam sandler's character is so dumb because he's like his guy Mm -hmm. his business partner is basically like hey i'm bringing in kevin garnett and like what? Why do you show? Like he? Why are you showing him all this crap? Like why do you think he's gonna buy that? Like look, he's looking for something to buy. Right. Show him something cool. Mm-hmm. And so Adam Sandler's like, oh, I have the perfect thing, and he goes back and gets this uncut gem, and then comes out and goes, oh, look at this, and like sells it really good. And then Kevin Garnett is like, oh, I'll take it, and he's like, oh wait, it's not for sale. I'm like, you were literally asked to go back and find something for him to buy. I know. You come I know. out and do a sales pitch and then you say, oh, wait, no, I have to give it up for auction. How is this and that's, plot? Like, I was going to say, that's the whole plot. It's just him losing the fucking gem to Kevin Garnett. <laughs> and I'm like, are, are you <sighs> insane, brother? Like, what? <laughs> why? Why? In what world in your brain you think oh, someone's asking me to go back and find something cool for him to buy. Let me go find something not for sale. Dude, what? I know, I know. How did, so how did he end up getting the the ring, the the basketball ring from him? How did that happen? Okay, so then the, so he goes, well, oh, I, I want to buy it. I want to buy it. No, it's not for sale. He goes, okay, well, let me borrow it for good luck for this game. Oh, I see. And he's like, well, then you, it's like a pawn shop type of exchange thing. So he gave him his championship ring. Oh, um, got it. Okay. And, okay. Oh, God. And he's so, <laughs> he's so arrogant and aggressive this whole movie. It's just like bad decision after bad decision of him being the one in the wrong. Like him getting mad at people for him being in the wrong. Yeah. And, and getting mad that people are fed up with his shenanigans just over and over again. They're like, I'm right. over it. His right. name's Howard. Howard. That's Howie. what it was. Ew. Yes. Ew. <laughs> oh. Oh, God, yes. Okay. So, so then it's, th- so then we meet his wife. We find out his home life isn't great. And that's when they have the whole confrontation that you mentioned earlier with her. Right. Right. The basketball game and everything. So, so that whole thing, him and his wife, she is like done with him. Yeah. And that's what I that's what I like, but what I 
what makes me so exhausted mm-hmm. is looking at her character and thinking about how many fucking years she was putting up with his bullshit. With three kids. I am exhausted for her thinking about him, like, lie after lie after lie and just, like, gambling away all their money and getting into debt. She probably is just, like, so fed up. (sighs) As I think anybody would be in that situation. Uh, And, you know, props to her character being you know, being willing to um, put on a a face for her kids Mm -hmm. because her kids already, well, their kids don't already like him. Right. And you can see it. It's evident. I mean, the boys are a little bit more resilient, but the girl, the oldest. So the scene with the daughter kind of made me, it just like kind of reinforced to me that, okay, I'm, I'm wondering Mm-hmm. Because the way the daughter came in and he was like, are we okay? And she's like... Yeah, like, what are you talking about? She's like, what are you talking about? Like, whatever. I couldn't tell if her responses back were, like, sarcastic enough in the sense, like, I am mad at you and don't want to talk to you because mm-hmm. I know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Or if they were supposed to be, like... Because that's at certain points it seems like that, but then it would follow up with something she'd say that make me feel like, wait, is this <laughs> character supposed to just be like, is she just passive and she's supposed to be just like a teen girl who's like disconnected and on her phone? Because the reason I say that is because none of the things are like so like poignantly sarcastic to him that it feels Aww. like it just feels like it's always almost getting there. And I'm like, is it passive or is it passive aggressive? Right. And then when she's leaving, she's talking to her friend on the phone again. She's like, anyway, so you know how I have a resting bitch face? I'm like, okay, so is that confirmation that the character is just supposedly supposed to be like that and she's just being passive? Because yeah, in that case, I don't buy that interaction with her dad because she would be pissed at her dad. Right. Um, right. And I feel like with how expressive her mom is, mm-hmm. as a teenager, if she was mad at her dad and knew that, like, the sarcasm, I feel like, could have seeped out stronger to make, to reinforce that, that that she is mad at him specifically and she's not just a passive teenager to everything. Because even right. the mom didn't really have, like anything to say about whether she oh she's like that all the time or oh well she's like that because of you or she like the mom didn't clarify like whether or not this is normal behavior for the teenager or so that kind of that scene made me like what what is this dynamic but the truth is it didn't matter because that was the only scene she was in so wow there's no other I didn't know that he doesn't like really interact with her again in the movie so like her relationship to him doesn't matter wow wow Um, so So I guess superficial I guess that's just gonna be up in the air for us to to wonder so yeah that's um I also feel like not to give theater kids again a one-up but because she's in theater. <laughs> That's true, because this interaction happens after their play. So right. which, so I guess at their play, he's like, 
sitting with his wife and they're talking like with the other f- parents as if nothing's wrong or whatever and they're, and they're not telling anybody. He's also preoccupied too, I think on his phone or something. He's like texting or something mm-hmm. and looking at whatever, his own making another bad decision. He gets kidnapped from the play. He ends up going outside. He gets called outside for some reason. Maybe it's these people who were like, we need to talk or whatever. I don't remember yep. what the reason. Is that why? Yep. Yeah. His The people that were after him because they were sick of his shit. He owed them a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And they'd been following him. They'd hit him up a few times. It's these people who we found out we see earlier. It's yep. the same people. They end up, like, kidnapping him a little bit, driving him around, like, getting him scared, beating him up, stripping him naked. This is the point where we find out that the guy who's in who he owes money to um, is his brother-in-law, right? Mm -hmm. So now we know that, oh, now it's, like, in the family, too, and yada, yada. So now he's pissed, like, obviously, because now he's also cheating on his sister or is it his wife's sister? I can't remember i can't recall because again hecticness chaotic so chaotic and honestly i didn't i know i know <laughs> it's small details that so all these little things and he ends up they strip him naked lock him in his trunk and he calls oh my God. his wife he calls his <laughs> wife who has the best moment in the whole movie at this part and the best moment is when she's running out of the school. He, so, <laughs> so he calls her and says, hey, I locked my keys in the trunk. Can you come pop it so I can get them? And she's like, so she runs out, but she's like in high heels. So she's doing these like little <laughs> run steps and her arms are just like straight out in front of her, like out in front of her, just slightly bent. And she's yeah. like... <laughs> Kind of shit, like shimmying back and forth as she runs. And it's just the funniest, like honestly... <laughs> Highlight of the movie. <laughs> I'm living for the way Idina Menzel is running out to the car in the parking lot. I and needed to see her more in the movie. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and she pops the trunk open, sees that it's him naked, and immediately you see, like, oh my god, you see it. You see the years of betrayal come into her eyes once again and immediately she's like this is why i'm fucking done yeah and then she walks away and she turns around Mm. and she does the same run immediately back (laughs) that's right that's right (laughs) this is all (laughs) she's just like huffing no time for this man and his his shenanigans yeah so then after that is when he has the the confrontation with the daughter. And I stopped the movie shortly after this, close to it. Okay, so after he has this confrontation with the daughter, then he ends up trying to get the the gem back from Kevin Garnett and from his, like, business partner who is friends with Kevin Garnett. And he's like, okay. And they're not business partners. I keep saying business partners, but they're like, he's just like... um Like a... a- God, a pawn. He's kind of like a pawn to him. Like a, yeah, he's like a, um, he's like a vendor, maybe. Yeah, like there the we go. like the best that you, mm-hmm. maybe. So he just, like, finds people to, like, middleman. 
Yeah, that's so a good way to put it. So he's trying to talk to him and get this this gem back from Kevin Garnett, and, and um, he's trying to. So he meets him at this concert. So this is in 2012, and so the weekend, who's this up and coming artist? Yada yada. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, wow, there's this new guy called The Weeknd. Yeah. This movie came out in 2019. Yeah. And so it's like so... <laughs> I, like, so funny, I can't even explain the feelings that I had. Because I was just It makes me like, wonder how many people they... Is, like, The Weeknd their first choice? Or were they... Did they try to get, like, someone... <sighs> like, someone else who popped off big? Like, yeah, there's like, this new artist, Lil Nas X. <laughs> <laughs> right? Then, Right, and he's like, "No, I'm not doing that." <laughs> but like, I wonder how many like people they had to, they like went through, yeah, before or if the weekend was their first choice. Because then, hey, good for them. Yeah, you know? true. But so they're at the concert for the weekend, but it's in this like small club, and Adam Sandler's child bride is the like <laughs> <laughs> she's like his friend who's like did photography for him and stuff. And so she's like in the bathroom with him and he's like saying shit to her. Like, Oh my God, I want to fuck you so bad. And she's like, like up on him. Yeah. And at first she's like, I told you to, I told you, no, like don't touch me with her face, like super close. And she's like, no, no, I said no, mm-hmm. which is like that portrayal that guys love of the woman who is wants you so bad but keeps saying no mm-hmm. guys that doesn't exist if she's saying no she doesn't want you okay let's just let's just make that clear 100% if she wants you she won't say no if she's saying no just stop <laughs> there's like hesitation and you're putting pressure on that person to make Nobody, the decision. No girl in her head is like, wow, I really want to have sex with him, but he has to but I'm really, gonna say really, no. he has to really, really, really want it. So I'm going to make sure that I'm like saying no, right. just to, just to check. No. Right. And if that, I mean, in the case that that is what that woman is thinking, just leave her alone and let her find a therapist. Because she's been hurt too many times by guys yep. like you. And yep. so she thinks that's all she can do now. So yeah. be an activist <laughs> with it. Be proactive. It's time we stop writing scenes in movies where the woman is on top of the man, wanting him, clearly making physical signals of like advancement and saying the words, no, no, I don't want to do this. This is ugly and dumb. I don't like it. Unless it was a movie that was, that it was appropriate for in order to express that situation, you know, not, not for comedic purposes, not to, not not to to put a fill. Yeah. Not to romanticize it. Exactly. It's just not, but the way that the movies portray it of her, like, with her physical language is saying like all of the moves of yes, wanting it. Uh huh. And then with her words saying, no, no, I told you no. And she said it like six times, not just once. Why is that being written in? Why is that like scene being perpetuated? Because then guys think that they're not like guys literally think that they're not aring girls. She's saying no, but she means yes. Like, no. Because they also aren't actually aware of physical, that in real life, the physical signs are missing. 
and you're just hearing the words no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but this girl's obviously messed up. Yeah. Her life is obviously... In the wrong direction, in the wrong spot. She's, I feel like, been used so many times. Like, she's in a relationship with an abuser. Yeah. So that can only show herself, like... Right. I feel like... I feel like I want to rephrase that a little bit. It's not like her... Like, there's something wrong with her... But being in a relationship with an abuser can make you so, right? like, question yourself. And she's probably been gaslit for her whole life. I just feel like her decisions aren't really her decisions in this movie. And it's very apparent. It, like, she's, it's, it's very apparent in the first couple of scenes that you see her in anyway. And same with the closet scene. Like, mm, the, it's exactly. very apparent. Yeah. And same with anything, because then he walks in on, he finds her in the bathroom, and then he comes out, yells at her, screaming, yelling, blah, blah, blah. You slut, you skank, I never want to see you again. It's over. I want you out of the apartment. Yada, yada, yada. And then he goes home. And then the next morning, he calls her and is like, where are you? Where are you? Why aren't you at work? Is what he said. You never wanted to see me again. That's where I am, not seeing yeah. you. And so his, like, and then he gets mad at her for not being at work and hangs up on her, yells at her again on the phone, hangs up on her. So it's her fault again that he's making bad decisions with every part of his life. Yeah. And he threw her smoothie on her. When was that? Like, so... <laughs> She at some at some point she ran she like ran to work finally after he yells at her to like make things better. But she had a smoothie and he's like, Oh, you stopped to get a smoothie, it's not important to you, and throws it on her. Wow. Wow. I didn't know that happened. I must have stopped it right there, or at least before. It's like in the middle of the movie, so it must have been right. You must have just like missed it. Because at this point, at this point, then Kevin Garnett had shown up back to Howard's work to give him the opal back, but he wanted his ring back in return. Mm-hmm. But he didn't have the ring because he pawned it. Howard had pawned it. And so it must have that scene was after that, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. So, so yeah, so that happened. So he wanted his ring back, but Howard pawned it. Yada, yada. So. And he was like, bro, I don't have your ring. <laughs> so then later on, and this is then the scene that I want to talk about. Because later on, then again, he's at family's house. It's a family. I believe it's Passover because they're going over the plagues of Egypt. So I think that the last one is the one where they do the blood the blood mm. of, of the lamb's blood over their door. And that's like the whole Passover thing. So um, I think, I believe they're celebrating Passover and it's like the whole family's there. So, so he's there with the mom. And since no one knows they're getting divorced yet, everyone's like, Oh, we're, we're putting on this fake show for everybody. Got it. Oh, <laughs> and no. so she, Idina Menzel, as beautiful as she is, this character is like, Oh my gosh, I still fit in my bat mitzvah dress. <laughs> So this scene is written for Idina Menzel, and the dress that she's in is literally like 
it's oh no the top is like cut like a woman but then it's like short skirt like above her knees and i'm like is that supposed to make it look like she grew taller since she was 13 but also like she's a woman now so her body is a different shape than it was when she was 13 and it wouldn't have been (laughs) i'm like okay so if there's anybody out there who's had three kids and still fits in your bar mitzvah dress let me know bat mitzvah dress let me know and um (laughs) maybe i'm wrong (laughs) i'm looking at the dress right now this plot line of um so she still fits in the dress, yada, yada. And then he comes in and sees her and is like, did I make a mistake? I love you. Should we be together? Get out. And she looks at him and just literally starts laughing, like laughing in his face. Really? <laughs> and she was like, you are the most annoying person in the whole world. You're she a like, joke. I hate you. The way you look, I hate the way you sound, I hate the way you smell, I hate when you're in my life. (laughs) Oh. And she just, like, laughed at him. And I was like, this? I'm living for it. I will continue to rewatch this movie for that scene alone. (laughs) You just watch Idina Menzel's scene. (laughs) Yes. the only reason to watch this movie. So she just basically is like, are you a video? But the fact that he is, like... That he looks at her and is, like, trying to be all sincere, and he's so fucking lost. Like, he is. Dude, you're never going to be happy. He's never going to be happy, my friend. And it's just sad. Did it ever conclude, like, or even remotely touch on why he is the way that he is? There's no, like, backstory. There's no, like... When he was a child, there's there's no um there's no meat to the bones. There's yeah, no yeah. Like, there's no explanation for why he's yeah. what he is. He's just he's just a regular guy. Like oh my God. this what could happen to anyone. This? You know, it's just he just <laughs> had a bad day. <laughs> mm. So it's just bad decision after bad decision. Finally. Everything starts piling up and and um, catching up with him, right? Right. So he's like, this is the day of the auction. I need to get it to auction or else they're not going to sell it. So I need to get it back from Kevin Garnett. But I have to go get this pawn and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he... Sorry, I keep getting lost because this movie is so chaotic that trying it to, is trying to relive it again. I'm just like, so what? So when was that again? But no, I get it. I completely get it. Okay, so day of the auction, they're saying like, where is it, dude? And he's like, and then he's trying to pull this shit with the auction people who are professionals. They're not going to take your fucking lies, your manipulation, your misinformation, like. And he's like, oh, yeah, I, I I have it. I'm looking at it right now. And she's on the phone like, I need to be looking at it. What the fuck do you mean you're looking at it right now? It needs to be here. Today's like, he's like, oh, I'll get it. And she's like, it's either get it here today or it's not happening. So he finally goes down to Kevin Garnett to get it back, but forgets the ring. And is like, oh, I left it here, blah, blah, blah. I, I promise I'll go get it. But first he comes in yelling at Kevin Garnett, like, and the team, like, I need to get that up. I need to write fucking now. He got vocal, 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 blah, 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 blah,
And then he's all like, like he's okay. doing ninety percent of the movie. And then he's like, okay, so so give me the ring. And he's all, oh shit, oh please, please have understanding. I left it in think blah blah blah. Please have compassion for me. I left it in Long Island. Just give me the opal. I need it. I need it. And I'm like, you're gonna come in yelling and then exactly turn around and be like, this this guy like. And so he eventually gets it. And he's like, okay, you can come. Kevin Garnett wants to buy it. You can come buy it from the auction. Finally gets it. He brings it back to the auction. And then he starts, gets pissed off that it's revalued to be a lot lower than it originally was. So he's mad. He's like, I was supposed to get a million dollars on it. And he ended up getting like 200, like it was valued to be between 100 and 200,000. He was like, no, no, blah, blah, blah. So then he tries to get his friend to push up the bid. So now he's telling his friend to bid the money and to make it go up higher for the auction. And so his friend is going against Kevin Carnett and they go 160,000, 170, 175, 180, 190. And Adam Sandler is being greedy and keeps going, yeah, yeah, keep pushing it more and more. And it ends up his friend has the highest bid. Of course, Kevin, Kevin Garnett now is not going to cover it. And so, so now the friend, so now he's like screwed. So now it's like he, he bet it for 190. He tells his friend, like, I'll pay you the money to pay for it or whatever. But it's like just another bad decision. Cause now he owes his friend money. Right. So now he calls Kevin Garnett and tells him everything, tells him what happened. I don't know if tells him what happened, but he's like, I have it to sell to you, sell for 175. And so Kevin Garnett goes in and takes it and he's like, dude, like, I wanted to buy this from you. You were like, no, it has to go to auction. Then you have someone else come on bid against me. And now you want to sell it to me? And he's like, so he like buys it from him. And he's like, he was like, how much did you pay for this? The deal's over. Like, it's mine. Like, I bought it. Just tell me how much you really paid for it. And Adam Sandler's like trying to be like, well, it's not just money. It's like months of my time and my work and fighting and blah, blah, blah. He's like, just be straight with me. How much did you pay? How much did you pay? And he, he was like. He ends up saying, like, oh, I paid 100000 for it. And he's like, so you paid you paid these miners in Ethiopia $100,000 for something you thought was worth a million dollars? Like, he was like, wow, you don't see anything wrong with that? <laughs> right, right. And, he, and Adam Sandler is like, well, $100,000 to them is a lot of money. And Kevin Garnett's like, but a million is more. Like, dude, a lot more. That's a hundred, like, that's a thousand percent more. And so it's just like another, like, and like everything just keeps getting uncovered of how this guy's like shitty, 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 shitty guy. So he has this money and then he starts like talking to Kevin Garnett about it. And he's like, well, I got to do what you got to do. And, you know, I'm like you and you you want to win by by 30 points, right? Not just one point. So this is my game. This is blah, blah, blah. And he's like. Oh, and then he starts like talking in circles and starts going crazy and is like, I know that you're like me and I'm winning today and you're going to win today. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend all this money. I'm going to bet it on you and blah, blah, blah. So he took all of the money that Kevin Garnett just paid him for this stone. And then while he's in, by the way, while he's in there doing this exchange, the goons come back to the store and are trying to like catch him. But he's in the back office and he's like, don't let them in. So he ends up getting them in the, like, I think they're getting them in, like, the glass door uh-huh. and locking them in there at some point. But before all that happens, he has his girlfriend go over and, like, they he sneaks the money to her so she can go place 
170 whatever all this money on Kevin Garnett and wow the Celtics to win and it's so it's so much right here at the end. It's a lo- well cuz it's trying to conclude so many open ends. So then everything's piling up and she goes and places the bet in Vegas and Kevin Garnett goes and plays the basketball game and these guys come in and the goons end up Adam Sandler ends up locking them in the like security booth before the, it enters the store and uh-huh. he he locks them in and it's like hot and like they're like suffocating in there. And he's like, I'll let you out as soon as the game's over. And he's like, I'm betting on this game. And he's like, so all this happens and it's like really chaotic and it's going back and forth between the goons in there. And then some of them went to follow the girl to make the bet. So now they're looking for her in the casino and it's coming back and forth and to the game. And every time something happens in the game, it's like a good thing. And Adam Sandler's like, yes, yes, we needed that. That's a good shot, blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's going up and up and up until the end of the game. Finally, the buzzer rings and everything. Uh, Celtics win and Kevin Garnett made all the points and all the rebounds and yada, yada, yada. And they, he, he makes all this like huge bet wins and makes all this money. And so... Everyone in the casino now starts like, oh, wow, this girl made a huge bed and won all this money, blah, blah, blah. And so the goons are looking for her and he ends up now letting the the guys in there in the little hotbox room that he's been. They're like, oh, my God, I can't believe they won. Wow, he really did it. He made all that money. Like hard work and persistence pays off like kind of idea and the music is like like it's like crazy right and he unlocks the booth to let the goons out to be like oh we're all friends now because i won the bet and the main goon immediately walks out opens the door walks out and boom shoots him right in the head and he falls over and his just body and then it's chaos in the store and the main goons going hey you guys get this and blah blah blah. get this they get these gems get the security cameras make sure there's no blah 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 and his brother-in-law is like what what'd you do you blah 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 blah." and he tries to escape and he shoots him too so now both brother both of them are dead the girl who made the big bet she met this like she met this like old guy at the casino who kept flirting with her so she like used him so to she used him and asked him to like to protect herself basically asked him to pick up all the money as a scapegoat so that and then he brought it to her in her car and he basically brought it to her and was like okay do you want to drink now and she's like no thank you and walked away and i'm all i'm pretty sure that guy would be a little bit more persistent after doing all that he'd probably grab her or something like it's not the real world that he'd just like accept that she would say no after all that it's like but whatever, that's the story they wanted to tell. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> and so she ends up with all this money, and then it cuts back to, like, it's still a bunch of chaos, and then fin- and it cuts back to, like, the family, and Idina Menzel's talking to, like, her sisters. Like, she seems worried. She's like, I don't know where he is. Like, they, I found him in- once in the- naked in the trunk of a car. Like, she's felt like... And then it's, like, zooms in. Then it goes back to Adam Sandler's eyeball or something, and it's, like, zooming in on his eye, and then it's, like, the same kind of camera shot of, like, the jewel. Right? And that's the whole movie. <laughs> so if you feel like watching 
something. If you don't, if you don't get enough assholes in real life, watch this movie. Oh. <laughs> I okay. I I have a few things just to add. Go ahead. I genuinely like. I love Adam Sandler to death. I will. I I adore him. I really do. I grew up with his movies. His humor is very similar to mine. I don't want to watch him be an asshole. I don't want to watch him be the bad guy. Like I don't want to watch him be an asshole, but I also don't want to watch a movie where every twist and turn in the movie is a constantly terrible mistake. Just yes. everything he's done, like everything he did in that movie was just why. Why the fuck? No, it's not good. I couldn't stand it. Exactly. I... No, I was It was very good. interesting though. It it was very interesting to see that filming style, the writing was really interesting. But that was it. I was just like, who would make a movie like this? Who could literally stand in an editing room with all of those chaotic conversations and think, yes, this is my vision. This like, is the I message could- I want to put out into the world. <laughs> yeah, this the message and are they gonna understand it maybe not but <laughs> i'm an artist <laughs> i'm an artist <laughs> it's abstract and i mean to each their own everybody has a story to tell and a vision to show and i i respect that yeah. and i also respect my boundaries of being sensory overload uh, <laughs> uh trying to watch a movie <laughs> so when you told me you could only watch you only watched the first hour i was like I get it. I understand. (laughs) It is so much. And it is so hard to watch the kind of person who you would never want in your life. Right. To like willingly have them in your life for two hours. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. Definitely. I think I could watch the other half like on a different day. I definitely couldn't do it in one sitting. Yeah. But I I really want to watch the rest of it. Yeah. So I think everything being said, I just don't see a need for stories anymore where the main character is someone who you who doesn't get better who doesn't learn yeah if you're connecting with somebody if you're if the main if the anti how do i say this if the protagonist is someone that you are the protagonist of a story is someone that you typically are like oh relating to you need to be able right. to see their humanity right let them get better. Let them learn. Mm-hmm. Stop making it seem like it's okay and acceptable for grown men to never, ever change. Or mature or grow up or learn, like you said. And I, I'm i I'm a huge fan of stories, movies, books, etc., of, of things not going the way people expect them to. Mm-hmm. I like the unpredictability of it and um and you know the story not ending on a high note. I love stories that really like hit you in the gut with like a shitty ending. Right. Not shitty like shittily made, but like shitty as far as what the result of the story ends up being. Right. Um the problem with this movie is that there's never a moment where he 
looks at the situation he's in and thinks, oh, look at where my actions have gotten me. Every situation he's in is like, this person did this and now now it's affected me this way. Now it's my repercussion time. I'm yeah. like, no. Yep. You you're mad because you had this like master manipulation plan to get everything you wanted if everyone else acted in the way you wanted them to. But guess what? Life is not like that. And yeah. especially not with people's money, like no. from every movie in the history of Gosh, mob movies, you never get a good ending if you're messing with people's money no. and life. Like, no. you don't. I'm sorry. No. And it's like, he never once, he never once was like, took any kind of responsibility for the situations he was in. It was always either somebody else's fault or like, how could this happen to me? This random circumstance. Oh, I don't know. Maybe because you keep lying to people. Maybe <laughs> because you keep trying Doing to, really shitty things. Like spending money that you owe other people on gambling. Like maybe take some responsibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to learn from it. So anyone out there who's like him in Uncut Gems, take this as um, as a, a crash side, course. As a crash course of what not to do. Thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for coming to my <laughs> Theodore conversation. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a good movie to choose because I feel like there was a lot to say about it as far as what what it had to hold, what story it had to tell. I think in total, I'm going to give it three flicks. Um, one flick is for just like originality of the script, because like okay. you said, mm-hmm. um, even though it, it was very chaotic, it is very unique. Mm-hmm. And two, two of the flicks are going just for Idina Menzel's run. <laughs> One for each run. <laughs> one for each click, clack, click, click. On one leg. <laughs> um, I, I'm honestly, I've, I don't want to give it one flick, but I'm going to give it two flicks. <laughs> one for Adina Menzel and one for the attempt. <laughs> the, <laughs> they tried. They tried. And it, just overall, it was such an unenjoyable experience, like for me to watch that I couldn't even finish it all. So I don't, I don't want to give it one because I want to save it for something that's like seriously bad. And I don't feel like this movie is bad. Yeah, it's just not. Yeah, it's not what I not thought enjoyable. it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not. It doesn't. It doesn't evoke any emotions that make you want to go back and visit those emotions. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, exactly. It just made me angry and exhausted. And anxious and, <sighs> yeah, it, my, mm-hmm. it was a blur. So, yeah, that's, that's what I say about that. Anyway, let's move on to our To click. the click. Yeah. The click. Okay. So... This episode's click is going to be Wind Waker, a Zelda franchise video game. I'm so excited. <laughs> Me too. I I uh 
This has to be hands down my favorite Zelda game, and I will explain why. I got my first gaming console, which was the GameCube, to myself when it was after my dad had passed away. So it was, I was invoking like a lot of childhood video gaming experiences. So that was the first game I got to play. And it it got a lot of shit because of the, the art style. It was not the typical Legend of Zelda art <laughs> and uh, gameplay. So... I had I learned a fun fact about that mm-hmm. about a reason like a, a reason why people were expecting different art style. Mm-hmm. So Space World 2000 uh-huh. was a Zelda demo that came out um for GameCube. Oh, weird. As a as a demo. Weird. And that had a lot of realistic art that was very realistic artwork. So people, when the demo came out, people thought that that was a scene from the next Zelda game. So oh. they were expecting Wind Waker to look like Space World 2000. That makes when, sense. When in fact, Space World 2000 was just always meant to be a demo. By itself, yeah. It wasn't ever intended to be a scene from the next game. Okay. Yeah, because... I remember when it came out and I was asking people to play the game. They're like, no, it is the ugliest game, you know. But it's really not. It's not. It's, it's a stunning so game. It's so cute. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. now that's one of, like, the more popular styles when you look at fan art for yep. Zelda. Exactly. that people change their minds. I appreciate that tidbit of info because that's something I never knew. That is so cool. So to start the story off, you start as Link and you wake up at a watchtower by your sister, which I I think is really unheard of in the Legend of Zelda series. Link didn't have family, so people were like, um, yeah, okay. So the fact that he had a sister waking him up was so endearing because you're on Outset Island and it is this beautiful, just two portions. Before we move on. Can I really quick, I want to make sure I know where in the timeline this is at. So what I was hearing was, and and also partially my theory, but um, this story takes place after Ocarina of Time. After Majora's Mask? And I would assuming Majora's Mask as well. However, I don't know that tidbit. Don't hold that to me. Let's see. I'm looking at a timeline. Yeah. Feel free, please. Um, I would like to know. They're all kind of not good. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So after Ocarina of Time, it breaks off into different timelines. And Wind Waker is in the timeline, is in a separate timeline. So it's not after Majora's Mask, but it would be, it's right after Ocarina of Time. So it's like a different timeline and it would be around around after Majora's Mask, but not Majora's Mask didn't happen in this timeline. Does that make sense? So, like, the time frame is after, but it, it Majora's yes. Mask didn't happen in this time. Okay. <laughs> but it's also it's it's also broken into categories of the hero is successful and the hero is mm-hmm. defeated. And Wind Waker's in the section of hero is successful. So, that's really interesting. Yeah. So, Majora's Mask is not on that timeline. But, yes. Yeah, so, it that does have a play in the game later on. Um, I'll reference to it when I get there. 
But yeah, so Link is woken up by his sister. And you meet their grandma. Now, you know how I am with elderly people. You're a fan. She is the sweet little old lady. I love her. She's my favorite. Um, she's just a sweet little old lady. We love grandma. We love grandma. So the whole beginning premise of the story is that Link is is coming of age now to get um, his clothes made by his grandma. So the green suit, the green hat. And they are heading up towards the top of Outset Island. And some pirates come by and end up bringing an enemy with them. In turn, throws one of the pirates from the ship onto the top of the island. So that encourages Link to go up and save her. He finds her, ends up saving her. Her name is Tetra. And the enemy, the big bird with pretty tail, um, ends up stealing his sister from the top of the mountain. So in Lincoln, like desperation tries to go and save her, just runs off the cliff. And Tetra's like, nope, <laughs> oh like, don't do that. Yeah. So her, her, her other pirate goons end up climbing up the mountain to find her as well. And they're basically like, Hey, we know where that bird's going. You should probably follow us. And he's like, okay, but I got to get my sword and shield first. So he goes to another elder in the town and gets his sword, which is really cute and endearing. And he also goes to his grandma and she's crying and she's like, is she really kidnapped? Is that true? And I'm like, all the emotions in every facet of that, just in this snippet of the (laughs) entrance of the game, like it's, it's heartbreaking. So yeah, he's like, I'm going to go save her, Graham. It's okay. Don't worry about it. And he ends up getting on their ship to go mm-hmm. to Fortress Island to where that enemy bird is, technically. And you have to sneak around. It's a very, you know, uh, it's a it's a fortress. So there's a lot of goons and goblins around the area. And he makes his way to the top of the island after he was imprisoned because he gets caught. A giant pirate ship in the middle of the ocean. You're going to see it, so... He makes his way to the top, realizes that Ganondorf has other ki- other um, kids kidnapped. So it's Link's sister, two other girls oh my in this little, like, locked cage. Yeah. So he's like, don't worry, I'll save you. And Ganondorf's like, no, get rid of him. He talks to the bird, and the bird just picks him up, <laughs> flings him into, like, non-existence almost. But... Um, he ends up waking up in water, in the ocean, and this boat, this red boat with a lion's face on the front, finds him, but he has no sail. So they end up drifting towards Windfall Island. In this timeline, the reason why it's all sailing is because Hyrule was flooded somehow. Yep. How? I don't know how it came to be flooded. I don't remember. I wonder if I could look that up. So it's after Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. Or if they even had a, if it just like somehow was flooded or if they even have a, something that's canon. Right. I, uh, the, yeah, the Great Flood. Um, turning mountaintops into islands. Yeah. It just said that the people of Hyrule prayed to the goddesses for deliverance, resulting in a great flood. Oh, interesting. Yeah. From, from Ganondorf? 
Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting, yeah. Because it, it, you do end up going to a temple under the water that you have to actually rise up from the ocean to be able to get into the dungeon. So once Link has the ability to sail eventually from Windfall, my favorite island, he goes around and collects all the pearls. So the fire pearl, the earth pearl, and the water pearl, where he meets random NPCs along the way that kind of aid him in his adventure. Um, some with wings, some are actually descendants of the Zoras, which is really interesting. So as he finds all of those pearls to make the cool Zelda thing happen as what I was, you know, reading about, he progresses into another quest to find the rest of the Triforce in order to restore basically the King of Lions, basically to restore Hyrule and to keep and to kill Ganondorf, basically. Mm. But the game was just so aesthetically pleasing. It At the end, it does get chaotic because of the Triforce. There's just so many maps you have to get and so many, mm-hmm. you know, random quests that take you one way. And then you're like, oh, no, I can't get into that island, so I got to go to the other island. It's a lot, but... I think that's part of the fun of that game is just finding out the adventure because you have this giant map the whole game where you're sailing to island to island and you're basically charting an island of or islands in Hyrule that are uncharted. And it's, it's to me, there's no greater game than to be able to like explore your own world. That was so, like, unheard of to have, like, an open world almost. Mm. At that time, it was, like, 2003, something like that. Mm -hmm. So, extremely revolutionary, in my opinion. I feel like there were a few things with this game because because technology was so much more, kind of advanced so much between N64 and GameCube. Uh Uh-huh, definitely. Um, This game had a lot of things that other Zelda games didn't have. And one thing I think, was it this game that was introduced where you could connect your Game Boy? Yes. And was this the first one they could that you could do that in? Um I don't I don't think it was the first game, no, but I mean I think they were the first Zelda to games. like capitalize. Oh yes, of Zelda yeah, games. Because definitely. Ocarina of mm-hmm. Time definitely couldn't and Majora's Mask no. Right. So Right. A Master Quest, yeah. Yep, it was it was to introduce Tingle and his escapades that you can mm-hmm. go on within the game, which but was then which I did. They but then you could have like if your cousin was over or whatever, they could play with you, and it would join you. It, they would join your game yeah. without really like affecting like the main plot line or whatever so that it's just like you would still have your game but then if someone was else was playing you could like they could play with you in in theory yeah they they didn't have a character or anything that they could like Mm -hmm. show on the screen or show on the game boy i think it was i think it was to find tingle's hidden treasures Mm -hmm. and like other maps and stuff. But that's kind of like a revolutionary idea. 100%. Um, I had it. It was amazing. It was kind of like the first like (laughs) local play. (laughs) Yeah. Like before the DS. Like I, yeah, 
Because when once the DS came out and that local like chat came, oh, it was just great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was called the Tingle Tuner. Yeah, super cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it says. Comes equipped with its own map, less detailed than the normal one in-game. This map automatically upgrades itself when Link enters an area of the Great Sea. Cool. I haven't played the game in so long. I have my GameCube. I should. (laughs) I need to plug in my GameCube. Yes. I just moved, so I have to set everything up. Do it. And so... Sparing the details because it's a very long, like, lengthy process. But in part of getting the pearls, you end up going to the Deku Tree Sanctuary, if you will. The Deku Tree is under a mountain because the it's earth is flooded. It's been 100 years. 100 since, years. Since the Ocarina of Time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And... So you do go in and you talk to him, which is fantastic. But all of the all of the villagers in Ocarina of Time had turned into Koroks. That that's the evolution of the storyline from Ocarina of Time to Wind Waker. But they turn into little tree sprites that talk, and they're the cutest thing in the game. Oh my god! Yeah, and then Makar is like the main tree sprite that you or main Korok that you um, end up searching for and looking for and use him in your travels. But Wind Waker also in, in the Deku tree level end up introducing the leaf that you can fly with, which was unheard of in any legend of Zelda game. Uh-huh. It was also revolutionary. And, uh, he does get the wind waker, the 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 wand, mm-hmm. to play music to control the wind. And fun fact about that mm-hmm. is that that's another. That was also it is revolutionary because they were able to use that technology because of the GameCube. Yeah. So they were yep. there weren't a lot of like wind effects in other games. There weren't any things that like things that had to go along with using the wind because that effect just wasn't as easy to do until right. the GameCube. And the the C-Stick was always... The C-Stick, to me... Because not very many games utilize the C-Stick besides using it for directional purposes. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool to, to see a game utilize the entire controller. It was yes. nice. But yeah, it... The, the game is so underrated. I know a lot of people recently in the past couple of years have been like, okay, it's not that bad of a game. It's been, people were coming around to it again now. Yeah. Yeah. And later on, after the Triforce pieces have start to conglomerate, you're starting to gain traction with the story a little bit now because a giant chunk of the game is just you figuring out the map, finding the pearls, and starting the process of gaining more information about where Ganondorf is and talking to the king and trying to like find the hidden temples that are sunken and it's a huge chunk of the game. So you eventually get to a point where you find out that Tetra is actually Zelda 
And she's just basically like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry for everything (laughs) I was doing. But not necessarily – I wouldn't say necessarily a damsel in distress because she was a dope pirate, Mm -hmm. you know, transitioning into the princess. Um, (laughs) And that, to me, was – was also great because it wasn't like a Mario Peach situation. It was the the typical Link mm-hmm. Zelda situation, mm-hmm. which made me happy. But yeah, basically, the end of the story. Your your purpose is to s- protect Zelda, kill Ganondorf, find his sister, and um, once all of the pieces, the puzzle pieces, were put together, everything was able to be hunky dory with the king, and he ended up making. You know, basically having more control over the domain again. And the whole entire Hyrule area was a lot more happy now. Rid of Ganondorf, which was nice. Does Ganondorf die at the end of this game? Or does he, he kills escape? him with a light arrow, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. Yeah, Wind Waker. Wow. Wand Waker? Okay. <laughs> he has a wand. He in does this have a wand in this game. It's his instrument. It's technically. The only one that's not a real instrument. <laughs> Why was I going to say it was his muse? Why? <laughs> it's his muse. That was like my my jerk reaction to say. <laughs> yeah, so at the end, once the Triforce pieces are gathered, the king wipes away the traces of old Hyrule. And the tri- Triforce vanishes. And as a result, the kingdom, Ganon, and Master Sword are washed away by the ocean. Hmm. So he doesn't kill him, but the king necessarily wishes him away. So I guess there's plenty more room after that for games to be able to open up and still have Ganondorf in, in that it. in that timeline. Right. And there's a really endearing um scene at the end where Link and Tetra like sail away together. She's on her giant pirate ship and he's on his tiny little red <laughs> lion boat mm-hmm. <laughs> sailing away from outset it is just to be reunited with grammy again it was just Aww. it was just the best we love grandma right right like <laughs> when i was a kid i was like i got to get back to grandma like Aww. of course i'm worried about the sister but like i'm also worried about the grandma so <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm gonna I just kind of I'm just gonna say it. Zelda Zelda games are pretty good. Heck yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. Did you did you finish um um No Breath wow. of the Wild? I have I started that game. I have not even I haven't finished it, but there's so much to it. Oh it God. is. <clears throat> Another open world Legend of Zelda game. Mm-hmm. Oh I was gonna say the one with the moon. Oh my god, I can't remember the name. The one we were talking about, not after Ocarina of Time, it was Majora's Mask. Thank you. Golly. No, I didn't. I didn't either, but that that one um th- I played a good chunk of it and my I was like game that I finished <sighs> 100% was Ocarina of Time. I 100% at that game. <laughs> Very nice. As you should. <laughs> um, I still, I haven't even beaten the game. I've only ever um, watched because when that game came out, it was my brother and my dad playing the game. And then as I got older, when it got re-released for the GameCube, mm-hmm. I had it 
but I was too young to still figure out the puzzles. Mm. I just wasn't as good at it. Like mm. I, I had no patience. I played that game on the on N sixty four and one hundred percent it. I then I got the remake for the GameCube and played it there, and then I got yes. it on three DS again and played it. So I've played it three times, but I don't I don't know if I like finished it. Like I obviously I didn't finish it like right one hundred percent all three times, but the first time it, I did because I used to. Be, the, but the reason I did is because I used to, when I would start a new game, I would look up the walkthroughs online and I would print uh, out all like yes. 75 to 100 pages of it and sit there yes. like, with it like a book. Yes. And anytime, Strategy I would guide. Get, anytime I would get stuck, I would like... I would like read from where I was at to like all the parts I've gone through and like find where I was at. And like, then I would go back and read to see if I missed anything. And I was like, (laughs) I, uh, during, during my escapades with Wind Waker, it was a crazy time in my life, but, uh, but my cousin was very much a big part of my life. So back when we had home telephones, Mm -hmm. I, would sit on the phone with her. I'd just be playing. We wouldn't be talking. But once I come across a puzzle or I didn't know where to go next, I was like, okay, I'm here. Now where do I go? Because <laughs> I didn't have the then internet like, either. You through it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was it was a really good like memory, a good bonding experience with that game. And then the next game I sure. played that didn't that I didn't finish um after Wind Waker was Phantom Hourglass. Which is the sequel for Wind Waker. It's the next one in that timeline. Oh, okay. Because, but you're also, it's because the same world, it's flooded. The Hyrule is flooded, uh-huh. so you're still on your ship. That is that is something I need to play. Did they ever re-release it for something else? It's, it was made I wonder. for the DS? Or I, I had, yeah, I think it was. Made for the Diaz. I don't remember because I... But it's definitely, like, the artwork is, like, 2D style, like, Stardew Valley looking. Um, oh, okay. Oh, I think I heard about it. I think I know what you're talking so about. So I feel like there's no... I mean, there's no discussion on, like, oh, there's no... Oh, the artwork. Like, there's no conversation about that because it's literally just nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just a game. It's just... A, so yeah. I feel like it's it was just, like, a... It's not talked about because it's not like yeah, it's not like it a big didn't game. hit. It as was big. just for a small. It wasn't even like a major console. It was like a port a handheld. You know what I mean? So right, right. Which I not to like jump tracks, but that's a lot of Final Fantasy things too. Is mm-hmm. when they were made for like sequels or prequels were made for the PS2. Even people were like, okay, whatever. Like I don't care. You know, right. So that makes sense. So, but Wind Waker, I love, I love the artwork for Wind Waker. Me too. Um, Me too. And the music was amazing. The thing is, because it's like cartoon Zelda, it makes it feel like it is more accessible to younger players. Uh But the game itself, the puzzles and the... Like stre- like the strategies and the mm-hmm. everything about the gameplay is still a Zelda game. Absolutely, 
and the the whole setup it's it screams the franchise you know getting the pearls getting the triforce mm-hmm. pieces you know evolving the master sword like it's it's all of it which i think if ocarina of time had looked more appealing to me when i was a young kid mm-hmm. i mean i did play it on n64 but it was scary <laughs> i was like oh my gosh like i was <laughs> legitimately scared as a child of the like going out at night in the field because <laughs> that's so funny that you say that because i felt the same way mm-hmm. i hated going out you know where yeah. um, where you go out into the middle of the map of, and i mean obviously now looking at it it looks the <laughs> graphics are so silly like they do i not, know but when you're sitting there seeing them for the first time you're just like oh my gosh and it was like the same way with like castlevania and um, yeah yeah it, it was scary to play those games <laughs> That's so great because you just brought back memories about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember distinctly being terrified of that. But then when Wind Waker came out, I'm a little bit older. You know what I mean? And it's like, right, right. If I was that age, for it to look like cartoony, then it would. I just feel like it just made it more accessible because there were probably a lot of kids like me who were like, "I'm just not yeah. going to play because it's scary," even though it's a fun game. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, it's just as like aesthetically pleasing it was just all the islands had a story to tell Mm -hmm. all of them were beautiful the music was stunning especially going into the deku tree like forest Mm -hmm. that had to be one of the prettiest levels that they made out of the entire game besides just sailing on the ocean oh just so pretty i I was mesmerized by it as a kid. I think I will easily give this game... I, I'm going to say eight clicks out of ten. Eight clicks? Easily. Mm-hmm. Just because it's it's well-made. The graphics never bothered me. And the story was something to be cherished. Especially after our Ocarina of Time. What would you give it? I agree. I agree with everything that you said. On this yeah. game. I feel you. I feel you. I feel like Nintendo does such a good job with their, like... Franchises. Franchises of keeping them, like, like they they, they care about the integrity of their franchises, yeah. I feel like. And they put so a lot of effort. When things, when, like, the new Pokemon game comes out or the new Legend of Zelda game comes out or... Like mm-hmm. Mario or whatever, these fans have been loyal from the time we're kids, and the games remain interesting and like fun for us as we grow up because yeah. they've always been good games. They've, Wholesome, you know too. what I mean? Yeah. And even going into Breath of the Wild now, with how games have evolutionized, just in the span of 10 years, which is minute compared to almost being 20 years since Wind Waker was released, almost. Wow. It's just, you're just like, it, <laughs> it kind of keeps up with with your interest and then even in your own life experiences because Breath of the Wild is open world. There's a million things to do. It's hard to play as a child, like as a kid, but you can still play it and enjoy it as a kid. Yes. Even though there are a lot of 
aspects to yeah. the game that would not be. <laughs> but it's one of those games that if you're a young kid and it was like your dad is playing it or your yeah. mom is playing it, you can easily sit next to them and watch it and be like excited. And enthralled by it. Right. And not have to be like... <laughs> Go to the other room. I'm gonna. Right. I'm gonna shoot a sex worker. Like, <laughs> I've never played Grand Theft Auto, but I, I've heard that's what you do. <laughs> I like that's the thing. That's Grand Theft Auto's selling point. Jesus. <laughs> not to bash on any other. Not to, not to, any other video Not again. to hate on any other franchises. <laughs> We're just here to uplift Zelda. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. It's definitely on a pedestal for me, and it always will be. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <sighs> well, that was fun. Yes. I enjoyed this episode a lot. Me too. Oh, my gosh. We talked about something we really didn't like, and then we talked about something <laughs> we really did like. So. We're really passionate about, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a good balance between the two, for yeah. sure. This was fun. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Me too. Well, thanks for listening, whoever heard that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we appreciate you for listening to us talk. Um, next time you feel like clicking and flicking. Click and flick away. Check out your favorite girls. <laughs> <laughs> Hey folks, thanks for listening and sticking around. If you enjoyed what you heard, subscribe and follow for some more Click and Flick content. If you'd like to hear us talk about your favorite movies and video games, you can send us your suggestions to clickandflickpodcast at gmail.com. That's click, A-N-D, flick, podcast at gmail.com. We can't wait to hear from you guys. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.